Welcome to Speaking in Spoons, the chronically ill podcast with your host, Christina Brooklyn. Welcome to Speaking in Spoons. Uh, my name is Christina Brookman, and I am your host. And I have with me uh, Nathan and Lexi, uh, who are my lovely co-hosts. So I'd like us to kind of go around and just introduce yourselves. So, um, Nate, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're doing this podcast. Hi, I'm Nate. I have mystery sickness, or some people call multiple sclerosis MS, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm here uh, speaking in spoons. Is that, is, do I need to say anything else, or just we go to the next person now? Yeah, uh, no, whatever you want to do, Nate, it's fine. We need a baton. <laughs> yeah, we need a baton. We'll have, as you can tell, this is our first episode, and we're figuring this out as we go. Do you have anything else to say, or you would you like to pass it to Lexi? I will pass the conch to Lexi. Okay. Oh, the pressure. Um, no, I'm Lexi Crow. Um, I am. Uh, I have ED. Well, generalized hypermobility spectrum disorder. I have hemiplegic migraines. I have MTHFR um, gene thing and PCOS and fibromyalgia and POTS and just a myriad of lovely fun stuff um so you'll just probably learn throughout <laughs> all the random shit that i have okay Alexi, you and i are Sorry. twins yeah yeah we, we say that all the time like i i have ehlers danlos hypermobility fibromyalgia sjogren's trigeminal neuralgia um and hemiplegic migraines or migraines or as I like to say it looks like a stroke but it's not um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> we all are friends and decided I'm I'm here I've always wanted to do something about disability um and kind of unite people with disabilities and sometimes I have problems with online forums because it can get kind of negative so we're trying to keep this a little bit more fun and upbeat I mean it's not like we're not going to talk about some depressing things sometimes because it's life and it's living with a disability but you know we're gonna keep it a little bit try to go there with humor because that's uh who we are on our good moments <laughs> I see you, Lexi. Yes. <laughs> You're like I'm not right now. I'm trying to figure out how to keep my phone still. I'm just like wiry and just like I like it though. It's kind of bad. No, don't. It's adding like it's like you're target. dancing, so you're a background dancer. So, yeah. um, so speaking in spoons, why did we pick the title? Um, some of you in the disabled community might have heard of the spoon theory, particularly if you have a chronic illness. So um, uh, the spoon theory is something that was created by Christine. Let me get her name right, and I'm probably going to murder it. But it's Christine Miserandio in an essay in 2003 called The Spoon Theory. 
Um, and basically, it, she has lupus, and it was her way of helping communicate to a friend what it's like living with a chronic illness or disability. Because um, sometimes that's, you know, that's hard to understand. Uh, and um, so she did it through spoons. They were at a restaurant. And she said, you know, look at these spoons and think of them as energy, you know, and we're going to go through the day and you get to tell me what activities you want to do. And every time you want to do an activity, I'm going to charge you so many spoons. So her friend's like, oh, this is easy, you know, and she goes to, she's like, I'm getting out of bed. And Christine's like one spoon, <laughs> you know, and I'm completely improvising the amount of spoons but you know the next thing the girl wants to do is you know go brush her teeth two spoons uh take a shower three spoons and you know go throughout the day and at the end of the day it's basically like well you have two spoons left do you want to make dinner for yourself and your family or do you want to take a shower and or do you want to go to bed and her friend was just like how do I do this and she's like well that's what I fight every day is kind of learning how how to manage my energy on a daily level and adjusting it and you know and you can go into reserve spoons but then your negative spoons the and next day from the next day yeah. yeah exactly and and I know I do this all the time I'll be like ah it's so much energy that I really don't have because I'll get excited about something. Today. And yes. <laughs> and then the next day I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have talked on the phone that long. I shouldn't have typed all that stuff for the podcast. <laughs> you know, it. Yeah. Use life. So uh, what does spoons means means to each of you personally, Nate? I mean. I'm passing the conk. Well, when I first learned about spoons, it didn't really mean that much to me because I was like active. Like when I met you, I was active, but it was still yeah. hard. It still, by the end of the day, I still was tired. Like it wasn't like I had infinite energy. So I understood. Mm -hmm. it. I feel like I understood it. But now, now that I'm like a little more infirmed, I feel like I understand the spoons things a lot more. Than I did then, just like choosing things. You look so cool, Lexi. Oh no, no! I wear my You're a background dancer. dancer. You keep like coming in. Oh, Very I'm cool sorry. shave. No, I just needed yeah. light. Sorry. So Don't be. Oh, I have a feeling what? I'm most of the time going to be wearing shades during this. It's okay. Very cool. <laughs> just call me Shades. Yeah. Um, That's okay. your new name. <laughs> shades mcgee um <laughs> now um yeah spoons definitely uh i thought i understood spoons before but it's like as it gets worse it's like you're leveling up as a video game character on just dealing <laughs> with it all like i've like i've always dealt like i've always felt like it was like you have to level up and now i can't level up anymore and yeah now i have no really spoons. good like I like There's that no mana. <laughs> analogy, yeah. Um, um, but no, like uh, spoons. A lot of times, it's like, do I need? Like a lot of times, if I clean the house, 
I've used up my spoons to shower. So I'm super funky. Um, whenever you crash and then, you know, what was the point of cleaning the house? If you're just going to lay on your bed all funky, um, (laughs) or like, I actually have a caretaker right now and I'll feel like super guilty for laying around in bed all day when I'm in extreme pain. And she's like, Christina, that's what I'm here for. And I'm like, but I'm so lazy. And she's like, no. And I'm like, but I do. I have her yell at me every hour to get my butt up and walk around with my walker and try to do my The house takes like three days out of you. Yeah. Just basic household stuff like doing dishes. Why does doing dishes take three hours? We could have a whole episode on that. <laughs> we should. We should. Acts of daily living. Oh my God. I know that would kill you. I hear about like Nate juices. So like, uh, you, he, he's juicing? now a doctor. I should have introduced you that way. Hello. Uh, Introducing Dr. Nathan Struff. Um, Cause he is now a doctor in nutrition, right? Did I get it right? Yeah, DCN, Doctor of Clinical Nutrition, as of like two weeks ago or a week ago, I passed the test. Yeah. They haven't sent me anything in formal writing, though, so I don't know. I'm probably going to get something that says I'm a doctor now, I'm hoping. Yay! Very exciting. Can you put it up right behind your, like, on the couch so we can see it every time and be like, doctor? Yeah, you should. I'm blurring it, so you wouldn't be able to see it. But... Uh no it's okay we'll have a we'll have a party for you on one episode celebrate i'll I'll hopefully be able to walk to graduation but that'll be next year so we'll see how things go time yeah i got time to regain my strength yeah and as we all know like you never know what's gonna take happen yeah so if not you can pimp your wheels like I am. <laughs> I've got a wheelchair now. I'm all fitted for that chair. It's sitting in my garage. We should nice. put on our Facebook pictures of our like our uh, mobile devices. Oh, well, I just got my rollator today, and yeah. uh, Hillary's gonna build a basket so I can put my cat kitten in it because uh, he likes to ride on the rollator with me. And he'll jump. <laughs> if they want to go for a ride. And he'll jump on it, and then we go walking through the house, and he's just looking around. And yeah. I don't know. I want my cat scared of it because then I won't roll over their tails. Well, like, get them to jump on it, and uh, then they'll roll with you. And it's like it's kind of like I'm walking the dog, but I'm walking the cat. Giving a cat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my fellow cat lady. Yeah. <laughs> We found okay. another one today, actually. One of the ferals had a baby, and it's on the back porch, and it looks like a little potato. Oh, goodness. And, yeah. Nate, were you trying to say something? You only had one baby? That's so weird for cats. They usually have, like, a lot of babies, right? Well, one that we found so far. <laughs> like, they might show up, like, you know, later. Um her last litter had three. She was a kitten last year and she was like, we only, she was one of three like feral cats in the neighborhood and she has single-handedly turned it into like 20. You just take in feral cats. Is that your like job in the neighborhood? No, I didn't take them in. Um, I have a cat that likes the outside. So I put his food out there and they, you know, one of them was being chased through the streets by some guys uh-huh. with football. 
so I kind of like say like I kind of like you know and he just stuck around and it's like god damn it and he's the one that's populating everybody <sighs> okay yeah male cats yeah but we have um but we've been trying to get with the spca you can't get a phone call back the richmond the city richmond's not even taking anybody so we're just gonna have a lot of kitties mm. at least they're getting a, a i only feed them once a day they're getting one meal at least they're getting i'm gonna hook you up with someone because she takes in dogs and she knows somebody who takes in cats and finds them foster homes if you want we've been trying to socialize them they're not social socializing yet. they're really feral oh i just got a warning about our podcast that we started and i was like that's a late warning a warning about it like, yeah what? very confusing Okay, we're we need so ADD, or is it ADHD? I'm confused. I'm ADHD. Yeah, I forgot. Hey, we Woo! forgot to mention that one, didn't we? <laughs> we forgot to mention that. Well, okay, so moving on. Uh, we're going to talk about, now that everybody knows what a spoon is and why we pick speaking in spoons, I also thought it was funny because of speaking in tongues, and for some reason that made me giggle. Um. Uh, but, uh, we're going to, um, talk about what is disability and what does disability mean to you? And I want to read to you guys, uh, some emails and messages that we got, and then we can kind of discuss everything. So, um, do, do, do. I even put them in a fancy folder. Um, I am old and don't understand technology. Here it is. Okay. Okay. Disability means to me that I see life differently than most. My life has had a total 360 turnaround and I am sane enough to tell others all about it. Um, somebody else wrote, um, we got Facebook messages too, emails and Facebook messages. Very exciting. Good. Yeah. Yay. Um, I know, uh, uh, disability means frustration, especially with my own disability. For folks with obvious disabilities, blind, physically disabled, mentally disabled, people are more than happy to make accommodations for them. For folks like me or others with hidden disabilities, uh, it's on us to make others aware of our disabilities and to deal with our frustrations. Speaking for myself, I can't count the number of eye rolls, huffs, are discussed and outright dismissals I receive when I have to ask others to speak louder or slower or clearer so that I can understand what they're saying. Um, uh, and I mean, that's point. That's on point. I mean, it's a yeah. lot of frustration. I battle that daily. Yeah. And, you know, the, uh, the having to, like, we're constantly 
having to advocate for ourselves and educate, you know, especially with an invisible disability. And we were all talking about mobility devices, but we're not always using them. You yeah. know, like some days you can walk, some days you can't, some days. God help you and, if you get one of those real, those Walmart carts and you stand up. God yeah. help you. Yeah. Or like I have a um, handicap placker. And when I was driving, sometimes yeah. I was using a mobility device. Sometimes I wasn't. But if I got out of the car and was walking, people would just be so angry because mm-hmm. they assumed I wasn't disabled and they don't know my situation. They don't realize I pass out or like, you know, I don't regulate my body temperature. So I need to be close to the building, especially in the summer. They think I just yep. stole like my grandparents' card or something. Um, here's a good one. I feel like I've been teetering between disabled and not disabled race now. Oh, wait, I think... Yeah. Based on a couple appointments I've got over the next couple months and years, I suspect I'll settle somewhere, settle somewhere in the neurodivergent and chronically ill disability categories. It's interesting to be sitting on the fence for now. For me, disability means there's something about the world that wasn't, there's something about me that the world wasn't built around. Like most people use some sort of vision correction But much of our world is built to accommodate vision needs, at least for mild or moderate needs, that I wouldn't consider needs for glasses a disability per se. But my neurodivergence, that's something the world wasn't built to accommodate. My occasional mobility limitations are automatically supported wherever I go. Um, uh, And then Lexi, you wrote, disability means to me having a med bag getting gaslighted and leveling up on how much pain you can deal with and function as a person like a video game character. I love how you keep bringing it back to the video Sorry. game analogy. No, well, it's I'm, great. You got to nerd out, man. Totally. Um, <laughs> there's nothing else to do but nerd out. <laughs> how else yeah. do you talk about your time other than, you know, insurance calls and doctor calls and doctor visits? Yeah. I feel like it's like a career of doctor calls and doctor visits, right? Um, it's uh someone wrote it's really hard to be a disability advocate and not understand how to advocate for myself because the condition each day can be so different um and I think you know I know not I'm I think you guys feel this too but like with all Mm -hmm. of our conditions every day and we were talking about that with the spoon theory it's I think everybody expects disability to be the same every day but it's not all that for a lot of people um you know we've got messages from tbi you know oh this is an interesting one i live with someone with disabilities i am his main caregiver he is legally blind because of macular degeneration he also has bars in his back which limit mobility such as bending over much of his self-image is damaged when he is so dependent on someone else to do something so much for him my definition of disability would be learning to live in a body that you no longer recognize and one Mm -hmm. that you find hard to make peace with I love that I think that's such a great description of 
what blows me away is that this is a loved one saying that they pay so much attention to their person yeah that they see that and it's so hard because a lot of people don't look at it that way like a lot of people that aren't disabled the loved ones a lot of them it's a hard personally for me um you know you feel like you got to convince them every every single day and that person sees them so well I just want to say kudos to whoever wrote that because they see them so well maybe she has such a wonderful insight to what his experience is um and I think she worded it in a way sometimes better like better than we with with disabilities can word it like that struggle with self-definition and um sense of failure almost and sense of embarrassment yeah you know and the frustration and yeah is anyone else kind of nervous about how like all this is gonna like you know having everything about your like stuff just aired out no I mean I'm judged I I used to hide myself yeah this very deeply I would hide who I wasn't but now I can't really hide it I've stopped trying to I don't hold back what what's wrong with me I just I'm kind of annoyed with it but I just it's my choice to share and I feel no shame shame. I'm sorry I wasn't I was just like you know in case like anybody fearful of like backlash or like yo you guys aren't really sick like I'm just wired on coffee that's why I'm I'm faking it I make it backlash when I posted your video on my Instagram some asshole commented that it was like poorly taped or some bullshit like I was like who are you like I mean I, you know just, we're just trying to get the word out there like you know when if y'all like this then we'll we'll upgrade our stuff but right now we're bare bones some of us don't even have SSDI some of us yeah. don't have an income so why don't you if you want if you want b- better quality donate don't bitch on And even if you are, on, like, I'm on SSDI and I have friends and family on SSI, it's not a lot. Like, it's Mm-mm. like you're on, I'm on food stamps. I'm on, like, it's a good microphone's what we get every month. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm saying people are going to hate. Haters hate. That's what they do. They're great yeah, at it. Hate, hate. People hate, like, some people love us, some people hate us. And I think as, as we be, we delve into this realm of like very minimal celebrity. We're going to notice that <laughs> very, people, very minimal. People will only to our for no reason. For no reason. You're I'll right. We got we got good crews that'll pack us up. Yes. Right. And honestly, is the point to be liked or be celebrity? No. I mean no. we want to get the word out. We want to share people's stories. I'm excited about this because it makes me feel like I'm being productive and having a purpose, you know? And I often, I struggle like with what that lady was talking about, that guy's self identity. And, you know, I feel useless many times. Yeah. And I love what you said, Lexi, about feeling like you have to defend being disabled. um, Because I think particularly when we're in the process, uh, like you are of, you know, applying for services and things, um and discovering like there was somebody that wrote how you know they're still in the process of getting diagnosis a lot of our disorders it takes years 
to get some of these diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, with EDS and stuff and multiple scores, other things, they'll have it for years before they're finally correctly diagnosed. Um, And they're gaslit by family members, by friends, by doctors, you know. Well, it's not an exact science diagnosing you with these conditions. They're more labeled or anything else that's just it's not like like you you're struggling to narrow down what you have but it's it's because it's not so simple and the yeah. label, labels are chemically crazy. it's just crazy like right. and the science isn't there yet i mean like yeah. you know sorry i'd like to call myself uh x-men you know yeah they're genetic mutants so i think to me that's and they have superpowers so I'm an X-Men. That's what we call, with the MTHFR, we call it the motherfucker gene because it just screws up everything. We have just gone from clean content to not. No, I had already dropped some bombs. I'm sure I have. (laughs) I know you have. It's okay. I'm sure I will too. All right, fine. Hello, family. We are not family friendly, but that's okay. Because we're keeping it real. If you don't like me, I'll put the button on. bleep the cursing beep well it's also she's got like a uh, she's blind you know you're incognito she was except for your name label yeah she's given her name <laughs> no. and now the snort and honk is there great yeah any know. uh other thoughts uh about like what people have said or you know, the I thought mean, of what is disability? Well, I, mean, wallet is up to, over there. I think it depends on your, the way you want to see it, what it is. I think if you want to see it as a curse, it'll be a curse. If you want to see it as a blessing, it'll be a blessing. And just really where you are on the journey changes how you see what it is. Like, I mean, yeah. you might just be the worst superhero with you know like i always thought my migraines i thought it was the worst superhero i can hear something from two blocks away and you know i can see everything in the dark i'm daredevil i'm just not yeah. going to fight crime daredevil, daredevil just don't huh you're more, like, <laughs> you're more like riddick from pitch black okay yeah okay daredevil was blind like he had super like sensors i don't know it's just I don't know. Well, we Whenever get like I that, though. Those... I mean, not blind, but like that super. I'm... Like I'm like a wolf. I can like smell everything. I smell, and and like my dad was cooking eggs once, and it was burning, uh, just a little. Like he couldn't even smell it, and I was like, I said, "Is something?" I didn't even get out burning, and I just dropped to the floor. Oh, because uh, of the paralysis. The the yeah. hemi. Polesia. So, um, yeah. and that speaking of, that was misdiagnosed for 10 years as pseudo seizures. Oh, you know, like that- it's all in your head. Like, how many times have you guys heard it's all in your head when it's actually a physical manifestation? Um, and I'm sure a lot of people with invisible disabilities will hear that. I never got that because I'm a man. Oh, you <laughs> lucky penis no haver. No one told me I was making shit up. They just, I walked in there like, well, sir, you have something. <laughs> Let's give you some, <laughs> give you some. 
let's give you drugs. So you're so stoic. So if you're like, and, and also, you know, you're a doctor, so you you know how to speak to them. We need you to like do an episode of how to be a good patient. You should have met him six years. He is a horrible patient. I'm a doctor. Really? Horrible. I'm a horrible I'm patient. Horrible. I don't know why we're trying to, like, I can't give any advice on anything, guys. So if you're going to go for me to advice, no. No. I make horrible life decisions, but we're going to laugh at it. Oh, totally. Horrible uh, life decisions are my forte. I've made a lot of terrible decisions. We I mean, could have a whole episode on that one. You make mistakes, and if you don't give up after them, then they're just, you know, tries. They're not yeah, my first failed. mistake was, like, whenever I first started getting hemoplegic migraines, like, I was so determined to finish school. Like, I'd have one at school, and I'd be like, well, I got to drive home. It's 45 minutes. Let's go. And then, you know, you Christina's, yeah. like, already, like, I'm going to beat you. I and am going to beat I learned you. I need to stop driving during it. Yeah, stop driving. <laughs> Even if you don't, don't care, anymore. and this goes for everybody with those issues, Nate, and uh, cousins and stuff that have, like, everybody that I know that have, like, seniors and stuff, even if you don't give a crap about yourself, give think a crap about, about the people, people you can kill on the road. And if you're a narcissist, can you live with the fact that you killed somebody else by doing yeah. this irresponsible act? I couldn't. But that is also, life. like, we can totally get into transportation. Because, like, and that, uh, viewers, that will definitely be a topic because transportation for people with disabilities is a huge issue. Like, when you're unable to drive um, and you poor. So, (laughs) uh, you know, and there are people in rural areas too, you know. So, without any, I'm so excited, so much to talk about. I know. Like, did you know about like all of like that uh, big population? Tennessee is so underserved medically. Like they basically get like, you know, Peace Corps going out there to try to like give the rural areas like healthcare because it's so bad. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like there's areas of America where it's basically a third world country with healthcare and we don't address that enough. Although I will say the problem sorry, with how being in a city Nate, with like, no, no, no. The problem with being in a city with quote unquote good healthcare is that you can also get doctors that think they know everything and are unwilling to be human and listen to the patient and really listen to what's happening with them, get a good history talk to the people around them and learn and say, you know what, maybe I don't know what this is and I'm going to, I'm going to research. I'm going to refer you to somebody who might know I'm going to help you on your journey, but not like, you know, just send you to psych. Nate, you look like you want to say something. He does passing the con. Okay. Uh, I just, I personally have never found a good doctor for me. Like I've, I have a lot of doctors right now, but do I, I respect their opinion, but do I take it? Like if they say, tell me to do something, will I do it without doing my own research? No, but that's more of my approach to where I've, where I've come. Cause I just, when I first got diagnosed, I immediately went to, I went to NIH. Like I followed their orders exactly. And all it did was make me worse. And then I tried to, alternative medicine and that was a big shit storm just 20s was nothing but that 
Dude, right. my mind's made up. Episode two is going to be about like dealing with doctors and personal journeys and research because Nate, I want you to talk about that. Lexi, I want you to talk about your stuff. We'll ask people about their stories and I'm about to have neck surgery next month because uh, I um, got a neck fusion from Dr. Durrani who is wanted by the FBI for medical fraud and malpractice and has fled to Pakistan. Um, they call him the butcher of Pakistan. So we could have like so many conversations about all this stuff. So we're looking forward to oh, seeing you um, on our next episode. So follow us on Facebook at Speaking in Spoons and on Twitter at Speaking in just the in spoons and then on instagram is speaking in spoons um yay hi everyone uh welcome to speaking and spoons and with us we have tim carter and he is a disability advocate and lawyer um and i'm gonna pass uh the baton to him and let him do a little introduction for himself and why he is here. Uh, thank you. Um, my, yeah, my name is Tim Carter. Um, part of the reason I'm here is that I'm uh, Christina's cousin and um, known her uh, all her life and um, uh, and been enamored with what a cute, bubbly, wonderful person she is. Um, so that's part of the reason I'm here. And then um, the other part is that you you posted this question on social media about what is a disability, and I just what or what is what do you think of as a disability? I I just had so much kind of to say about that that I wanted to talk to you about it, and then you suggested interviewing. Um, I, I I am or I was a disability advocate. Um, uh, attorney for um, 20 years, uh, right at about two decades. Um, I'm currently running a low-income taxpayer clinic, so I'm not doing that now, but I was for 20 years. Um, I also have an invisible disability myself, the um, attention deficit disorder, um, and I have, uh, of my three kids, two of them have um, combination of autism and um, uh, um, and anxiety. And so that's sort of where I'm coming from and where I've gathered all these thoughts. Um, the specific type of disability attorney I am I, I was was uh, work doing um, social security and and SSI representation of generally claimants um, trying to get benefits or keep benefits, and then some who had just had problems with the, the Social Security Administration. Um, and all of us have, like, um, I'm on disability um, now, and it's been, it took a whole process, um, which you mm -hmm. know about. Um, and uh, I recently tried to go back to school to try to start the process of going back to work. 
and I'm now back, I'm on medical leave. And Lexi is in her process as well. And Nate uh, has been going through his. So, and I know a lot of people out there, it um, can take years um, to go through the process. Yeah, and they count on um, just sort of uh, attribution, um, like just people, attribution is not the right word, um, but it, they, they, they count on people dropping out along the way and just sort of gotcha. giving up, um, and which they view it as a success. They say they think that they, they you know, if people don't um, uh, keep going, keep appealing, they, they view it as, well, we must have been right. And no, people just get tired of it. They can't handle the stress. They, um, it's, it's just, it, it is, um, it's something that, that uh, the process itself is a barrier for a lot of the people who need it. Um, yes. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a headache. Um, so what would you say are, like, what is disability? And do you think there, I mean, there is federal disability, which is what it, you did, but then that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean someone's not disabled, right? Well, right. And what I was going to say is like, so there, there's a lot of different ways to look at what a disability is. And each of those different ways, there's like a lot of little things underneath of it. Um, so I would say there's four general ways I think of that I've seen people approach the idea of what a disability is. Um, and only one of those is wrong. Um, <laughs> so um, one way that um, people think of it as, uh, as a, a disability and that for the past 20 or 30 years has been um, pushed by a lot of um, uh, disability advocates, um, activists is, is as a social construct, as a way of, um, uh, as how you interact with the world and the, and the, um, and if the way, if the way society sets up the world doesn't work for you, so you have been excluded because of the way society has been set up in the world, um, and obviously for a lot of people, and, and that's one of the ways, and I, that's one of them that I think is an accurate way to look at it, um, and you know, and for some people, the idea of it being a, a disability, being a social construction is not even a metaphorical term. I mean, it literally, it's built into buildings and cities and, yes. and, um, and places. So it's a literal social construction that causes a disability. You can't, you know, you might be able to generally get around, but if there are stairs, you can't get up society has constructed a disability for you, something's constructed a way for you to be disabled. Um, and, um, and, and so there it's, you know, you are who you are and you, um, and you, you should, in the sort of view of that is you can feel how you want to, you can feel good about it, but you're disabled because of society. Um, and I, I, that is val valid. Um, another way, though, is to look at it as a, from a personal standpoint and thinking, okay, what are problems, certain 
issues that I have with my own body or mind that are preventing me from living the life I want to live, from doing things yeah. I want to do. Um, and one of the reasons I, I separate those two is, I mean, first of all, you could be, you could sort of feel like you're sort of be personally disabled if you were stranded on, a, on an island, um, you know, you're blind or your arm is broken or your mind, it doesn't let you um, organize everything enough to, to really survive. So you, can, you, you don't have to be in society to experience a disability. Also, there has been some sort of pushback against the, that sort of social way because the, the sort of activists who sort of pushed the, who, who for 20 or 30 years have been pushing the kind of the social construction, which again, I view as perfectly valid, they were, they were pushing against what had generally be seen, been seen as a kind of medicalization or essentialization of, right. of, of, an, of what a disability is. And so they were pushing back against that and they had very good reason for doing so. But- Like ableism kind of thing. Yes, and that's what they yeah. were pushing against. Um, the problem is, and, and part of it has to do with the fact that the disability activist community unlike the communities representing other marginalized people, they're, they actually are not always in, um, they, they don't always are as well connected to other people in their community as activists from other marginalized communities because um, a lot of disabled It's such an people, isolating disorder. Yes, it's an yeah. isolating disorder and not everybody who's disabled, you know, you didn't, come from a long line of disabled people usually yeah. you don't um and so it's not half the population it's it's just it's you and so you're not always connected into this these other groups and um and this social construction view didn't doesn't always mesh with how a lot of people experience their own disabilities um so the idea that you know some activists will get um, can get kind of upset when people talk about wanting to overcome their disabilities or um, or or come up with cures. And again, they have good reasons for that. And it may be that and and I can see them sort of thinking that some people may be may have like internalized a um, um, a a kind of bad view of themselves, a prejudice. But it's also true that people are experiencing conditions that are troublesome to them. Um, yeah. and so how you experience it can be different from the way society has put it on you. I mean, I think- That's it, great because Nate and I ha used to have this fight, uh, well, not fight, deep conversation because <laughs> um, about like looking for the cure, looking for- right. You know, and it's, um, and I, I was like, well, Nate, it, at some point we have to find a form of acceptance. And I, I love what you're saying because it's all about that. It's that personal journey and everything is so individual that it's hard to kind of create a definition for everybody. Yeah, and something that I've, I've said, and I believe my, my, my kids who are now sort of grown up would probably agree with this, but like, like so two of them have autism and anxiety. And 
if I, you know, if I had a button I could push and cure their anxiety, I would do that. The anxiety is very debilitating for them on a personal level. Yeah. But if I also had a had a um, had a button to push to cure their autism, I wouldn't. I would dismantle that, throw it away. It it, it, it the autism is a disability for them, and from a societal point of view, because society is not constructed to handle them, handle that. But unlike the um, the uh, the anxiety, the autism really is part of who they are and how they experience themselves, and uh, it would change them in ways that uh, wouldn't make them who they are and that yeah, they, they wouldn't be them so yeah. um and that's something that people have to each sort of disabled person needs to think about on their own yeah um and so and i don't think that you can even the sort of activists can necessarily push that on a particular disabled person um because again i think there are some people who kind of feel anxiety as a defining con concept for them or part of who they are and yeah and i'm not going to say that that's invalid um it's something that i feel is bad for my kids and i think they feel it is bad for them but for some people it might be part of who they are and they don't want to get rid of it and that's valid and we can't take away that choice yeah right um <laughs> Like that, what Einstein, were you gonna say, Nate? that Einstein quote. Can you hear me? Like, is it is my microphone okay? Yeah. Okay. It's it's like that quote. I think it was Einstein that said that if you if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll think it's stupid for its whole life. Like it's just mm -hmm. we're we're putting these people on the same sort of spectrum of a normative person, expecting them to produce the same results, but just because they don't doesn't mean that it's bad. Right. Yeah. The grading system we have is not um, flexible. And now every job has those like little Scantron sheets that you have, to, like those job applications have these, do you fit into this perfect hole? If not, we can't hire you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what, um, I, there's also been this push. I'd love to get hear your thoughts on this, Tim, about, um, with the, the ableism and the push to really kind of uh, detach the, the medical construct of disability. And for me, and um, actually getting the diagnosis, official diagnosis was um, each time I've gotten one and I have a bucket full, I know you get that, Lexi. <laughs> like it, it's kind of affirming, like, and also it gives me a sense of calm because I'm like, now I know what it is. Like for years, right. I haven't understood what's going on. Now I can read about it. Now I can research it. Now I can kind of plan for the bad times, plan for the good times before I, I couldn't do anything. And so and and now I can take ownership of it. Now it's my disease uh, or disability, and um, I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed, and and I think that's okay. I don't. Well, that gets into like okay. I I, I started off saying that that one way of looking at it of the, of the four there is one that's wrong, and so I'll I'll, I'll try to piece. Uh, 
take apart here what I what I think here, some of this that goes into what you would talk about as a response to what you were saying. The one way to think about disability that I consider to be wrong is viewing it as is is a medical as a medical definition, um, because disability, you know, if you're thinking of it in terms of disabled versus being abled, and this is, it's, it has to do with what you can do or what you want to accomplish or what other people see you as, right. that's, that's not a medical condition. So a, a medical condition is something separate and it's, and it's, it's, it's laid into there. Um, but it's sort of like, sort of like the sex to gender or the, or, or okay. the skin pigmentation, eye and hair and, and facial features versus race. You know, well, one not that, everybody with the same disorder has the same manifestation, you know, the same symptoms, experiences. So yes, some yes. could have the same disorder and be disabled and some don't. Right. So some people, yeah, some people, so getting, knowing what you have medically is incredibly helpful. Right. Whether or not that's a disability is 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 completely different, dependent upon how it affects you, how it relates to your any other conditions you might have, how it relates to your job, how other people see it. That's that becomes what becomes a dis a disability. Um, okay. I know. Like I in my experience, they were always telling me you don't have enough to be disabled or get SSDI. And I had, by that time, I had the EDS, I had the hemoplegic migraines, I had PCOS, I had MTHFR, and they're just like, you don't have enough. And I'm like, my medical records are like books. How is that not enough? And so like, they want you to be so, like you have to be on death's door in order to get it quickly. And like you said, they just want you to drop off. And yeah you can't think of it that way. You can't, it needs to change. Well, okay, so the, the okay, I mentioned four. So the fourth way of thinking about it is as a legal concept. Yeah, and, okay. um, and that's separate from the social construct, the medical idea and the, and the personal idea. A legal construct is, is okay, for dis disability and, and from a legal concept, it's not just, sort of a thing. Disability is defined by however the law happens to be written for this particular purpose. So you have to meet very specific um, written way, written um, um, the, the law and the way the law is written and only for this particular purpose. So a disability for purposes of, of social security and SSI, um, that's one set of standards. Um, SSI for children, because you, the, that set of standards for SSI, social security and SSI, which is generally basically the same, mostly, um, it, it, it has to do with your ability to work, but then they have SSI for children. Children aren't expected to work. So there's a different set of standards for that. Are you disabled? I was wondering about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you disabled for purposes of um, uh, of, of discrimination laws? Um, that's a completely separate standard. 
Um, so, and, um, and completely different. Um, and then, and then even like, oh, I was gonna, so, um, what was it? The, the veterans disability, veterans have a certain thing for disability. That's actually defined differently from social security SSI and, and from how you, um, and from whether or not you're, you're covered under, um, under discrimination laws. Um, so you could be not deemed fe like federally disabled, but still be eligible for disability discrimination laws. Um, well, yeah, you could have protection under um, under the anti discrimination laws, even if you don't okay. meet the standards for for yeah for receiving Social Security or SSI. Um, in fact, technically, you don't even have to be disabled. Um, you um, you either have to have uh, the disability as they define it, which for that purposes, I, I didn't practice that as much. So um, I don't have that as well memorized, but it has to do with having um, a, a condition that harms certain major elements of life, uh, like communication or being able to work um, uh, in intellectual there. I forget, I forget all of them, but they list like several areas of life. And if you have something that, that, falls within that, uh, that has a, that disrupts that, then that's um, disability for the discrimination purposes, or if you're perceived as such. Um, so if people, so that, that prevents, so if people think that you're disabled or treating you that way and are discriminating against you because of that, then you have a case whether or not you actually are disabled. Um, um, how have you seen like, this question of what is disability affect your clients? Like, uh, well, um, yeah, because it 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 uh, it affects my clients because um, they either uh, I can I, a lot of clients will think I'm disabled or they know that they're disabled because they've been gotten disability for other purposes and they have um, medical issues and they think. I'm disabled, but it doesn't necessarily meet the law. So you're not necessarily disabled for, for that purpose. Um, it, uh, and so, so just the medical list itself doesn't translate to, um, um, to being disabled. People seeing you as disabled doesn't necessarily translate it to translate it. I remember having one case, um, I interviewed this one person who had this condition that caused like bulbous things like all over his face and hands. Um, there's these little bubbles that, that popped up and it's just covered him completely. Um, wow. And um, he couldn't find any work um, and, and he had trouble other problems with specifically for this, you know, he couldn't find work because nobody wanted to hire somebody with that sort of disability. The thing is, he wasn't disabled. Great, none of he this could stuff, work. It was just none, yeah. yeah. None of this actually affected his ability to do work. And unfortunately, yeah. that's the question: is not will people hire you? It's can you do the work? He could right. do the work. He had no case, even though, like nobody would you know would hire him because people saw him as disabled. Um, and being seen as disabled, yeah. yeah, being seen as disabled while that protects you while while he while he may have, that may help him if he had a specific disability case against somebody. Right. Just being seen as disabled 
doesn't help you for, um, social, for social security SSI purposes. Um, and then another way it affects this, the medical, the, thinking of it as a medical affects clients is that one of the group of people who often think of disability as just and an, as a medical concept is doctors. And a lot of doctors will, if you, I mean, um, will, will think just because I said they're disabled, they should get disability. Right. And they think that I'm the expert on that. And they are an expert. And in fact, a letter from your doctor, a statement from your doctor is the single most important piece of evidence that you'll have in a um, in a social security SSI case, but that's a piece of evidence. It's not the whole thing. So a doctor who just writes, this person is disabled and doesn't tell us why or what the def what the um, conditions are, how the conditions affect them, that's useless because it is not a legal, a medical concept. It is a legal concept. And it's really like looking at like the acts of daily living and the ability to work and pro produce income for yourself to provide for yourself. Yes. what you're saying, gotcha. Um, do you guys have any questions or thoughts, Nate and Lexi? Nate, you wanna go first? Oh. Thank you. Yeah, we're both feeling it today. <laughs> Are you guys? Man. Um... The thing is, if a storm comes, it knocks both of us out. So yeah, <laughs> we should have picked somebody across this country. <laughs> mm, sorry about that. Um, I guess I'm, I'm, there's, I mean, there's storming here, but I guess it's not as bad. I'm less affected. But it's just, um, I mean, I've dealt a lot with trying to get disability, and I, for a long time, was not completely physically disabled, but now that I am, it's still it's still difficult because there's an, like the whole process, like you said, it's it's like this law of attrition. Like you eventually give up because you've tried so many times. It's not because right. you don't actually need it. It's because you just have, are tired because you're sick. You're sick and you're trying to do something, and it's like a, it's like a it's like a double edged sword. Like. Yeah. And, be, and because yeah. and because they they they, they have a, a vocational expert who can find one or two jobs that that um, exist not openings but just positions of about a thousand positions each throughout this entire country in these two <laughs> or three jobs that you could do and again they don't have to be openings they just the positions have to exist and because of uh, that you could work so you're not disabled. Okay. Yeah. And I know it's particularly hard uh, for if you're younger and have worked in the past, right? right. Mm. Yeah, yes. I've been a lot for my age. For getting help. You yeah, too young. They take, they take your they take your education background, your um, your um, uh, your work background, all of that into account. Um, uh, which uh, again is the legal system bringing in the social construction and that right. doing that well well before like socially people were thinking of it as a social construction they the law was already doing that bringing it in um we also taught we're going to have a whole episode on invisible disabilities um because uh, <laughs> um because all of us have 
invisible disabilities, except for the days when we're using our mobility devices, which um, I know in your intro, you were explaining about your own experiences with that. And um, I know a big like common thing I've heard people say and that we've talked about is the discrimination we feel in society against invisible disabilities with the whole, you don't look disabled. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just love to know your thoughts and any personal experiences or experiences with clients with that. Um, well, I mean, it's, I feel kind of bad some, sometimes because like I've had trouble, I, I don't always necessarily keep up with the clients. I keep up with the cases, but I don't always keep up with the clients as much as I should. And a lot of that has to do with my attention deficit disorder. Um, and when I do, and then sometimes I, I weren't, I, with that, I wasn't keeping up with the cases, although it wasn't necessarily when I had a, um, a, um, a deadline, but when the other side had deadlines, I, I, I tended to let that go and not follow up because it's just not in my head as something I had to do. And it's, that was a way my disability um, affected me. And I had th these disabled clients who were relying on me. So one, I felt guilty, but then the other thing is it, um, I, I don't, I, it would feel bad like telling these, like I, I couldn't sort of explain this to my clients because it would be, um, they, almost an analogy of, of an almost exact analogy of the blind leading the blind and they think I'm you're you're a disabled person you can't be handling this for me right. when I'm disabled um and so yeah and the 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 invisibility versus the 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 visible ones and I well Christina I know you and maybe the other two of you know as well but there you get different types of discrimination with the visible yeah. versus invisible with the yeah you with the invisible you have the thing that people don't expect you to be disabled and expect right. you to be able to do things you can't do yeah. but on the other hand you don't get the necessarily the stigma that you're from just from having the and the visible the invisible disability that right. you get when you have to go out in um uh, with a walker or something Although we're the rare breed that we get both. <laughs> right, that, that's what I mean. You get to compare yeah. <laughs> and contrast. Yeah. It didn't start out as both for me. It was invisible back in 2009, yeah. uh, like a decade ago. But even then, like, even then I was told by family to hide. Like, because <laughs> it was like a mark of shame. Like, don't let other people know because you'll never get a job if you tell them you have MS because they'll never hire you. And I was like, why? Like, I had no control of having it. It was like, it was, it was just like having, it was like, it's like being Jewish in Germany and like, World War, like, it's just, just like, don't tell people that you have the MS because you'll be scarlet lettered and shamed. And you are, like, there are, I don't, I don't think we should hide ourselves, but there is stigma with stuff, particularly mental health too, that mm -hmm. which is, you know, an invisible disability. Yeah. Um, we have huge stigma in this country and that's why people aren't seeking, getting adequate care. Well, I mean, that's not the, the only reason. It's not available. That too, yes. We're, we're, we don't have enough 
we learned during COVID too, that more people are seeking help, um, particularly children, and there's not enough, um, there aren't enough counselors and the funding isn't there as well, which is why I love the movie Joker. <laughs> mm. um, not just because I'm a superhero geek, but also I just loved how they looked at, uh, you know, with oh, him Washington. using public yeah. services and then they're taken away and he doesn't get counseling and he doesn't get medication. And that's when he starts having all his hallucinations and everything. And, you know, I just thought that was a really um, wonderful portrayal and perspective. So, so any final thoughts before Zoom uh, shuts us off? <laughs> Probably by Zoom. Um, well, okay, two, two other things that I, I, I tend to think, and hopefully I'll have time here, but one, um, uh, one thing is I, I like to mention, like a tell interns to know, to, to know that every disability is different, um, which is, uh, gets into like, an, also about the activists and not necessarily connecting with the people who, who a lot of the other people who have it and aren't activists. Um, but you can't, you can't, it's good to have like three people hosting this and you're going and asking others because nobody can speak for the disabled community because every disability is different. It's not just that every disabled person is different. Yes, you're all different. We're all different people, but every disability itself affects each their disabled person differently. Um, yes. On, uh, on television, when you see a, a wheelchair user, television, movies, you always get um, a case where the person is, their legs are either gone or useless from the waist down and just they don't they don't move around but they don't they're just there but they're or not there but they're useless and then they're completely healthy from the waist up and if you saw them at a desk you wouldn't know they're disabled i've met dozens of and worked with dozens of people in will who use wheelchairs and i've never met a, that person um it always affects them the condition that causes them to use a wheelchair always affects them in some other ways. There's something else right. going on. And a lot of people who use wheelchairs often or usually can sometimes stand up, maybe take one or two steps. Um, and, and so it's just, you have to, it's, it's all different. You have to look, no one else can know how your disability affects you really. Um, and then let me see, so the, the, uh, Another point about that sort of that I wanted to get to that you were talking about having both and being the rare person with both that's unfortunately you're not that rare. Um, again, like movies, television, when they portray a disabled person, that's a person with one condition usually, which is not right. bad from an educational standpoint. You're the show is teaching people about this particular condition and how it can affect people. But just for disabled people in general, I've you know done that uh, like literally like twelve hundred um, hearings, uh, and I don't know ten percent of them may have had one dis one condition one disability. Most people have comorbidities. Most disabled people have multiple conditions, and again. You don't know how nobody else can say how that affects you because your constellation of 
of, of, of conditions is going to be different from anyone else's constellation, even when those who have some of the same major ones that you do. Awesome. No, I love how you ordered that. Um, we're learning so much just talking, like Lexi and I have most of the same disorders and the way we experience them, very different. different. Yeah. And <laughs> so it, I think you, um, that's another reason why I wanted to do this podcast was just kind of learning other people's stories, getting people's stories out there. And like you talked about how isolated the community is from each other in some ways. Um, yes helping it a lot and that that I, I talked about sort of what was happening 30 20 yeah. years ago but it has improved a lot yes. because of social media but we that's still kind of need thing about stuff. social media yeah a lot of bad stuff but that's yeah that's one more yeah. good it's good at connecting yes so. well thank you for joining us Timmy and thank you for having um, me this is very fun nice nice to meet you Nathan mm -hmm. and Lexi thank you so Hope much yeah. <laughs> have okay. a good afternoon bye bye if you want to contact us please send a dm or an email to speaking at spoons at gmail.com with any stories you have or if you'd like to interview with us on any of our upcoming topics Thank you for listening to Speaking in Spoons and have a great day.